0: Net Podcast Network. Hey, it's digital noise time time to review all those home releases and this week believe it or not despite three shows in a row with Aaron it's not Aaron it is
1: not Aaron also known as Joe (laughs) hello Joe hey how's it going
0: Uh, you know it's going all right I'm a little like a panic stressed about getting ready for Fantastic Fest yeah
1: you seem to have screener cataracts right now yeah I'm a little high strung right now
0: but that's okay Uh, but I'm excited for us to talk about these non-Fantastic Fest movies which would be our Blu-rays to review a lot of good stuff in here this month I thought
1: and a lot of stuff.
0: and a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, before we get started, just thank you to our sponsor, Oscar Blues Brewing. They've got uh, brew pubs in Austin, North Carolina, and two in Colorado. So if you get a chance, please visit them. Get a beer. Tell them one of us.net sent you. You can also buy their beers in the can in grocery stores and convenience stores all across the country.
1: That's right. Oscar Blues. It'll get you drunk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the, the slogan they'd prefer, but um, it's it definitely does that if you drink enough of it. Or just tastes delicious. Uh, they're Dale's... Pale Ale was the first craft brew ever to be put in a the can. They started that thing where now all the 7 Elevens have the specialty beer aisle. It's obviously yeah. like specialty beers in a can. And that's, you can thank
1: uh, uh, Oscar Blues for that. Yeah, I'll be honest, I prefer beer in a can. Honestly. You know,
0: I think I do too. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that because we all bought into this myth that bottles are
1: better, but. Light fastness. Uh, I don't know, a little bit of aluminum-y taste, but but just the like the disposal is so much easier. Very true, and plus you don't have to worry if you're bringing
0: them down to like the river or into, near a swimming pool or something after we've right. read about them breaking and then it being a nightmare to clean it all up. Yeah, and then it's
1: a, your own real-life horror movie.
0: Uh, indeed it is. Uh, and thank you, of course, to our subscribers. Wait, you're like, you have subscribers at One of Us Dead Nut? Yes, we do, because it is the only way we actually pay for this website to, to do all the stuff that we do, and that includes the this show. There's four levels of being a subscriber. $2, $5, $10 and $25. Each comes with its own perks including exclusive podcasts you can only get by being a subscriber. Uh, including a weekly movie and television news and trailer review show that a lot of people tell me is actually their favorite uh, show on the site. They really enjoy listening to well, there you go. They're like, it's a lot easier than, because you listen to it and you're like, which trailers are actually worth watching? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to sitting through tons and tons of them. Um, and uh, Did you
1: guys go over uh, Captain Marvel? Uh, not yet.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think that's, actually, I will not be on the show this week. Uh, the, the other guy I, I variate doing it with, Justin Zarian, who uh-huh. also runs a show, Eyes on the Prize, and does our Screener Squad reviews. He is taking this week because I will be at Fantastic Fest. Well, oh, there you go. Uh, and speaking of that, of Fantastic Fest, we, I will be there all week, co- covering the festival with Richard Whitaker who formerly was on our site a lot but then he got promoted to head of TV and film with the Austin Chronicle he's like I'm really sorry but I can't do this anymore. He was a fun guy to do digital noise with. He was. And indeed. And he um, uh, still has a show on our site Thumbtacks and Screwjobs which is about wrestling but uh, we'll be doing podcasts that are being co-promoted by the Austin Chronicle and posted on their website as well covering every day of the fest giving reviews of the big movies. I just got on to see my ticket to see Halloween tomorrow night so I'm really really go. psyched about that. Uh, anyway Anyway, without any further ado, let's get to the reviews, and I think we're going to start off with the new 4K Jack Ryan film set, which which is all the the actual films, not, of course, the new TV show on right. Amazon, but uh, starring Tom Clancy's character of Jack Ryan, which... Uh, in the movies, at least have been played by four different actors. Yes. Uh, interestingly, the first one hunt for red October, which I still would argue is the best. Oh, the clearly. Bunch, by, by a sizable far. margin. Yes. Um, Alec Baldwin really liked playing the role and had every intention in returning on it and was told, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then literally he was signed to do another movie. And like, yeah, we moved up the shooting. We're going to do it now. Can you do it? And he's like, well, no, I mean, give me two more months. He's like, sorry, we're just going to do it. And they <laughs> cast Harrison Ford, who went on to play the character in Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Yeah, the only twofer. Yes, the only guy who returned uh, twice. Uh, apparently, he, uh, I heard he also was intending on coming back, but there was a kind of a sizable break between movies. 1994 was Clear and Present Danger, and then it wasn't until 2002 that Ben Affleck stepped into the role in The Sum of All Fears, which in the novels takes place... More or less in the order the movies are going, but mm-hmm. in this case, they rebooted it and made it the first story, like the first Jack Ryan adventure. And then they did that again in 2014 and rebooted it with Chris Pine now taking over the role in Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Um, now, like I think all four, five of these films definitely have things that I really enjoy about them. They're very different. Um, even Patriot Games and Claire and Present Danger are very different movies from each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Although, in watching this series, you, you can't have your Jack Ryan drinking game. Yeah. In, is- in in which at some point he will say, I'm just an analyst.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Or anytime he's at a meeting with a bunch of suits and he's just supposed to be quiet and sitting in the back. But then he goes, um, excuse me. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then He just shits out a truth bomb and yeah. then everybody's just like, well, fuck us.
0: It's funny watching all these in a row and then watching the Amazon series. I was like, they, they hit every tick the, that the character does in the movie, in in the movies on the show as well. You're just like, oh, it's a meeting. It means we're about to get some exposition. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Ryan's going to clear all this up for the suits.
1: Yeah. Uh, while I was watching these, I also peppered it with some of the series. Uh, and, and it was just kind of like, huh, it's interesting that they went in this direction uh, for, mm-hmm. for some of the character work and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. they it's, it's once again, a third reboot of the character. I'm still not sure why they didn't just continue on the story. But, um, hey, I, it, the show performed really well and they're already filming the second season. So <laughs> at least the story will continue. Although I kind of want them to introduce... Well, a James Earl Jones's character from from uh Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, and Clear and Present Danger is kind of his CIA boss and one of his best friends. I'm like, yeah. when do they get? When does that guy pop up? And second, the character that uh, first William Defoe in Clear and Present Danger, and then uh, Leo Schreiber in Some of All Fears played, which is kind of like a I Black didn't make Ops. that connection. Damn, yeah, okay. same guy, yeah. this, uh, Black Ops military guy who's who's still though a good guy who ends up kind of being like. Uh, Tom, uh, I'm sorry, Jack Ryan's kind of right-hand man. He's yeah, like the he's guy. just,
1: he just sketch as fuck.
0: Especially later in the book series when Jack Ryan, well, I mean, hell, he eventually becomes president of the United States because everyone else is dead. Uh, <laughs> literally, like they blow up Congress and everyone dies down the list till him. And he's like, well, I guess I'm president now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's one of those they kind of become a lot more about that guy mm-hmm. because he's the guy who can actually go out in the field. I mean, obviously the president, you know, not so much. Although one could argue that Air Force One is a t- a later oh, <laughs> Tom Clancy movie.
1: <laughs> Shitty conspiracy theories. You, you
0: could look at it that way if you wanted to. But honestly, I like all five of these films for different reasons. Like I said, Hunt for Red October is the classiest of them all. It's also the slowest, slowest, but it's definitely like the one with the most amount of dramatic chops. I think Baldwin kills it as as Ryan. John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard and Predator, uh, directed it. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty excellent movie.
1: Uh, you know, I would say with the exception of Hunt for Red October and Jack ride Shadow Recruit, uh, the rest were, I had just kind of forgotten that they are like Grandpa's action movie. <laughs> yeah, the, especially the Harrison Ford ones. Like I remember liking them a lot
0: more than I did on mm-hmm. rewatch. Um, I thought the the first of them, Patriot Games, is is kind of fun, even though it you're kind of like, wait, why is this happening to Jack Ryan? It was like <laughs> then versus the IR- Sean <laughs> yeah. Bean and the IRA, which they definitely apparently had very little to do with the book. Uh, which Tom Clancy wanted to disavow and have his name taken off of it. Fair he enough. Just liked it so much, but that one's kind of a straight up action movie. Yeah. Uh, whereas Claire and Present Danger is definitely more like the book, but to its detriment to some degree. Yeah, I,
1: I loved it because it was it was Jack Ryan versus drugs.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but that introduced William Defoe, who was great in it. Yes. And there are some solid action scenes in all of these for sure. I actually, yeah, I. I um, I actually really like some of all fears for the if for no other reason than they do the thing the last thing that they're that this movie is going to do. You're like, holy shit! They they blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scene where I remember seeing it the first time and just going, that didn't just happen, did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, admittedly, if you're going to nuke American city, Baltimore is probably not the worst choice.
1: Yeah, no bigs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even the guys on the wire would probably agree with that. <laughs> um, and Shadow Recruit is surprisingly fun. I thought, yeah, I, I thought it got a lot of flack, but I had a really good time with it.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I guess we're we we're, we're trying to like put Clancy to a certain level, and since since this wasn't really him, it was just an action movie. But but ultimately, like, what do you want? Like, it's it's just fun. Just watch it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think even the worst of these, which I would argue was Clear and Present Danger. Mm-hmm. Um, is still eminently pretty watchable, you know? It's
1: a great Sunday afternoon movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I watched straight through these with no sense of dread. I was just like, yeah, these these are fun. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the Blu-rays that come in this 4K set, because nowadays, you remember back when Blu-ray first came out and everyone always had to have the DVD as well, because yeah. they're trying to make people like, well, we're thinking about a Blu-ray player, so maybe <laughs> we'll just buy this for one. They're doing that same thing with 4K, which is great, because I don't actually have a 4K TV yet. I have to go to a friend's house when I get these. A or day. a 4K player. I don't have one. Right. Uh, but that's on the plan for this Christmas. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah, well, we'll see. But that's that's tec- uh, tentatively the plan, which I'm very excited for. But um, the Blu-rays are just the exact same previous editions. Mm-hmm. Even the Hunt for Red October, which is goes all the way back to 2008 when it came out. So, not top of the line, mind you. I mean, the best quality one is obviously Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, because that right. just came out like two years ago. But the 4Ks have indeed all been significantly upgraded. Um, I'm just unclear if they were going to do that anyway, why they didn't take the time to to reissue the blu-ray because it was an extra 50 cents probably um but yeah i think this is really solid and especially for anyone who's watching and enjoying the show like i did this is you know kind of an essential little set to have i'll definitely rewatch these things yeah all right well let's move on to a thing you did not actually get to see but it's but i'm sure you've seen most of them when you grab that big box sitting there that, okay. is, that is the Universal Classic Monsters box set, previously available on DVD with every single Universal Classic Monster movie. Chris, I'm
1: holding it and it's spooky-ooky.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, it was previously on DVD, now it is on Blu-ray, so essentially all you're getting is indeed that,
1: just that upgrade.
0: But hey, that makes all the difference to us, to uh, us, uh, quality fanatics. Maybe the 4K is coming next and I'll get to trade it in yet again. <laughs>
1: Well, you're getting some quality Abbott and Costello. They're they're just meeting all sorts of fellas.
0: They they count. Those count. Um, They're definitely part of the Universal Monsters series, but this has 30 films. Dracula, the Spanish version of Dracula, which was filmed right after they finished Dracula. They refilmed it at, at... Well, it's the same movie. They just refilmed it with a different director and different actors on the same sets. And some would argue it's even better. Uh-oh. Uh, Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, Werewolf of London, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula's Daughter, Son of Frankenstein, the Invisible Man Returns, the Mummy's Hand, the Invisible Woman, Wolfman... Uh, The Mummy's Tomb, Ghost of Frankenstein, Invisible Agent, Son of Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, The Mummy's Ghost, House of Frankenstein, The Mummy's Curse, The Invisible Man's Revenge, House of Dracula, She-Wolf of London, Not of the SS. That's a different one. No, Um, that's Elsa. (laughs) uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, Abbott and Costello meet The Invisible Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Abbott and Costello meet The Mummy, Revenge of the Creature, and The Creature Walks Among Us. As a... Classic horror movie devotee, this is kind of
1: essential to have in one situation. Absolutely. It's, it, it's definitely a part of a master's course.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly not every movie in here is great, but even the ones that aren't are fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally love the Abbott and Costello ones. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy them. I was a big Avon and Costello fan when I was a kid.
1: Well, you know, you were a kid. I, I grant you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I still know the entire who's on first routine. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not. I'm, don't worry. I wasn't going to challenge you. But yeah, 30 films in one set. Relatively inexpensively priced considering what you're getting, which you can get, uh, like on Amazon right now for about 150 bucks. It is like the ultimate dad gift. It is. <laughs> I mean, so's the Jack Ryan set, to be fair. But yeah, if your dad just got a 4K TV, just saying. But yeah, Universal Monsters Collection, well worth having. Okay, we go to Out of Collections and did Straight Up Films with Straight to Hell. This came out in 1987 by director Alex Cox, who at that point was on a winning streak with First Repo Man, which was excellent. I, I would argue the greatest cult film of all time. Yeah. That's my argument, anyway. Uh,
1: I I, I will appreciate your
0: argument. I think it's fantastic. Uh, And then after that, Sid and Nancy, which is also really tremendous and even performed well on a theatrical run. I believe it even nominated for a couple Oscars, but I could be wrong about that. But great movie version of The Life of Sid uh, Vicious and Nancy Spungen. For many, our first exposure to Gary Oldman, the young Sid Vicious. Still so weird when I see him and stuff now all grizzled and old, and I'm like... But, but you were beautiful suspicious. once <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't so beautiful in that but yeah um this movie however is definitely why no one wanted to hire alex cox anymore.
1: absolutely <laughs> good gravy uh just just watching it, it was like man this is just a jerk fest
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's really what happens when because you've had a couple successes someone gives you a. Uh, a bag of money and goes. Okay, go make your next movie. We know you're weird, but we like it, and apparently so do audiences. And so he and a bunch of his music friends got together, went out and went to Spain. And this is basically just a paid vacation to Spain for yeah. him and his friends, and decided to make a parody of spaghetti westerns with almost no structure or plot of any kind.
1: Oh, absolutely not, and it and it totally shows. Like, it. I, I was thinking, like, did did they decide to do this while really drunk at a party? <laughs>
0: I suspect they actually did. Yeah. I, I would not be shocked at all if that was exactly what happened. Cause, um, they, fe- it really seems like they're all pretty damn drunk when they're making the
1: thing. Oh, oh yeah.
0: You know, alone. Um, but the story, such as it is, is a, uh, Dick Rude, who is also the co-writer of the film mm-hmm. uh, and a longtime associate of Alex Cox. He appears in Repo Man as well. Cy Richardson and Joe Strummer. Yes, Joe Strummer. From and? March. Oh, and, and? and Courtney Love take off uh, after a bank job uh, to basically get away from the wrath of their boss, played by Jim Jarmusch. Um, uh, they flee to Mexico. Their car breaks down because of their own incompetence. They bury the suitcase of money and they walk and they come to a town in the middle of the desert, which is, you know, I mean, it's a spaghetti Western town. It's filled with a bunch of cowpokes that are varying levels of decrepitude, except that instead of drinking alcohol in this town, everyone drinks espresso obsessively. Yes.
1: Yes. You know, the coffee head.
0: Yeah. It's a very weird conceit where the way people shoot whiskey in regular movies, these people shoot espressos. There's even a... A final gunfight in this film where people are like hands are shaking and carrying cups of espresso <laughs> while they're wandering around trying to shoot each other. Um, and it's just one of those like that becomes the central cons- that's pretty much the only plot from there on where mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, everybody loves coffee. There's a gang that loves coffee that comes in and gets in a shootout. Mostly this is a spot the 80s icon, yes, like more than it is a movie, and it is it's fun to a certain degree. But I recommend this. This is the movie you watch with other people, and you kind of like you turn the subtitles on, and you just kind of laugh at it and drink beer and
1: have fun. Yeah, check for it at Redbox. Don't just just I don't know if it would even be in Redbox. I don't don't know. I wouldn't commit to this one.
0: (laughs) But uh, there are appearances by Dennis Hopper, Grace Jones, and Elvis. Costello, band members from the Pogues, like Shane McGowan, is in this. The Circle Jerks are in this. It's one of those movies. But I certainly wouldn't put this anywhere near the same level of something like Repo Man or even Tapeheads, mm-hmm. which is another, not Alex Cox movie, but another one of those type cult punky movies that has a, almost everybody in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to like this. I really did, because I remember seeing it when I was young, and I think we were probably stoned off our uh, off our asses, which would have been par for the course at that point Yeah,
1: we call that seasoning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's hard to get through, quite frankly. Uh, but this is a 2K restoration. There's extra features, including a, uh, the original vintage feature-length commentary by Alex Cox. Um, archival tours of the shooting locations and a making of documentary retrospectively that Cox filmed himself in the early two thousands that really in many ways is just kind of a jerk off. <laughs> it's they're not really, I mean, they couldn't get Courtney love for it. So I think it's his own daughter is playing the role of Courtney love in the documentary, <laughs> which I'm like, what the hell is going on with this thing? I mean, once again, it's, it's, it's entertaining in its way, but it's, it's hard from
1: a, um, for, for, from an actual enjoyment standpoint,
0: yeah. Like I said, only for the diehards, really. Um, who I wouldn't say. I don't think anybody's obsessed with seeing every Alex Cox film because from this movie on, it's pretty much all garbage. <laughs> but um, it's you know, it's a thing. Anyway, let's go on to Impulse, which is another film from uh, well, a film from 1984 that it was one of those movies. It was one of those films. Whenever I would go into video stores. It would be one of those films I would pick up and carry around with me, thinking I'm I, it was in the possibles. But then, yes. I, but then I'd never actually rent it. I'd always end up putting it back. Yeah, it'd go further
1: up. back in the stack that you have in your hands. Yep. Yep.
0: yep. Uh, and so I never got to see it until now. Uh, and this stars Tim Matheson and Meg Tilly. They are uh, a couple. He's a doctor, um, and they come to t- her hometown because her mother. Basically called her on the phone, was ranting about something crazy, and
1: shot herself. But, yeah, it was 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 calling Meg Tilly all sorts of names.
0: Yeah, uh, and she's survived, but she's hospitalized in kind of like a not quite a vegetative state. She appears to be aware, but only in and out of consciousness. Mm. Um, But so they go to the town to try and take care of her. And what basically ends up happening is there was an earthquake and it shook something loose and everybody in the town got contaminated by this stuff. Uh, That's one of the mysteries of the film. What is it that's contaminated? Totally not rage. Yeah. Uh, And they all have Impulse, like, control problems. They Whatever they think of, they just do it. Yep. And so it's not long before the town is sunk into utter chaos. But the only person who seems unaffected is, in fact, Meg Tilly herself. Yes. There's, there's kind of a, a, a scene you're just like, oh, dude, what are you doing? Where you're like, you don't think Tim Matheson's been affected. And they're in a, a, like, police station. And she goes to go do something else. And he looks and there's this, you know, hot high school girl sitting there, like, on the bench in her school ghoul you're in a firm, form and sure enough he walks up to her and they just get it, yep, right. Right it all yeah, it's time for a blowy. <laughs> yeah exactly um this is one of those movies that I always go this is good enough of a film that it really deserves a much better remake because it's a cool idea
1: yeah well the, yeah no, the, that was the thing it was like at one point I was I was just thinking like why am I watching this and it, but at the same time I was like but where are they going with this? You know, it, it had enough teeth to actually, like, keep you coming along, but the, the payoffs were never just quite what they could have been.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it takes too long to get to where it's going. Yep. Um, I still enjoyed watching it, but, like, the last act is, it's not really till the last act that things get really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's a long road to things getting
1: super chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then the end is just kind of like, okay, well, that ended.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it's over. Um... Yeah, I, I think people who like '80s sci-fi movies um, will enjoy this. But yeah, it is a movie. I would. I'm kind of shocked nobody like
1: Soderbergh or somebody didn't go. You know what? We could do this a lot better, dude. It's worth it's worth it to watch just to see young Meg Tilly. Oh yeah, who's super it's, hot? Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, we're actually talking about a movie later with her sister. We Alex, are indeed. Which is probably my favorite movie on the whole uh, list. That was going to be mine. Oh, well, there you go. It is a great movie. wonder if you guys can even guess before we say it. But um, Impulse doesn't... I mean, it's it's not a super elaborate re-release here. Uh, it comes basically with just an audio commentary w- from the director. Although it's one of those ones that he only occasionally is actually saying anything. <laughs> You're just like, why am I watching this? <laughs> Anyway, our next film is a little horror film called Truth or Dare. No, I am not talking about that movie that came out in theaters from Blumhouse
1: that we thoroughly despised. Or that movie from Madonna. Oh, that's
0: right. I forgot. Madonna had one called Truth or Dare. But this is, in fact, a horror movie as well that uh, was made by the Sci-Fi Channel. And I kind of laugh because... I thought this was considerably better than the Blumhouse
1: big wide release version. It was not as shitty as I thought it would be, yep. you know, judging a book by its cover. Sure. It's comes. It's only available on DVD. It's got a really stupid cover.
0: It looks like one of those movies that you're like, skip it. The red <laughs> box movie. But I was surprised how much I actually ended up kind of enjoying this thing. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's a... I mean, it's not the most... Original idea. Uh, it's Halloween. Eight college friends rent this house that apparently was uh, pre- years previously. A bunch of other people had stayed there, and all but one of them died. Who turns out to be Nancy from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh,
1: yeah, I recognize
0: under all the scar makeup. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and they find out there's a vengeful spirit in the house. That basically, the moment anybody suggests a game, it goes, oh, oh, I I like to play games and sets up a very supernatural version of Truth or Dare where you cannot refuse.
1: And it, or, and it, it has a, the greatest fact checker ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fun watching these kids get taken out and almost sort of like the way you guess in the Final Destination movies, you're trying to figure out ahead of time how how they're going to get taken out. Yeah, uh, and some of these things they do, like you know, they're like the, the idea is okay, you do this thing, and they're like, well, this will definitely kill me if I do it. So I've got to find a way to do it and not die,
1: like a, a, a tr- to trick. The, yeah, yeah, get out of the monkey's paw somehow.
0: <laughs> uh, exactly, and I, I I genuinely enjoyed watching that. Some of the effects are pretty good. Um, I'm just kind of surprised this just got buried the way it did. It's you no know, masterpiece, but I definitely any sort of like horror fan, anybody especially who likes the Final Destination films, I think will really enjoy this.
1: I really loved the way they explain or the reasoning they explained for for this the the the, the, the bad thing. It's like, well, it's the house, right? So let's burn down the house. No, it's it's not the house. It's I uh, I don't know, evil.
0: <laughs> it's evil. Um. Yeah, it's pretty vague about that, to be sure. <laughs> I keep saying, like, both this and the, the Blumhouse one, I kind of like, so is there any particular reason the spirit likes the game Truth or Dare, or could the next one be Spin the Bottle or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, Seven Minutes sequel. in Heaven. Seven Minutes in Heaven, where in that one you actually have to die for seven minutes. <sighs> That's yeah. worth it. Uh So, yeah, the, I, I would I would actually put this on my tentatively recommended list. It, it's a pretty cool little creepy
1: yeah, yeah fun it's fun. It's cute. Art. It's fun.
0: It's cute. It's so cute. It's just adorable. And <laughs> there's some cute girls in it.
1: Yeah, that's true, too.
0: Not much nudity, though. Uh,
1: no, well, it's, it wasn't on uh, Cinemax.
0: Yeah, well, it's sci-fi channel. So yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, should have been on Cinemax. <laughs> just I would have liked it even better. Uh, we have next one is another little uh, directed DVD horror film called Trench 11. The disappointing thing about this movie is it it feels like it's real close to being an actually good movie. But it makes the mistake of forgetting that it's a horror movie and just having characters endlessly talk through the entire second and a large part of the third act with that, not out much happening.
1: That was my biggest problem with it was it kept losing my interest mm-hmm. to where I'd realize like, oh, I haven't been watching this for like five minutes. <laughs>
0: Right. Uh, You just kind of fade out at points because all that stuff that's going on isn't yet exposition. It's not terribly interesting character development. It's all kind of cliched character development. Yeah. It's not really adding anything to the story, which is, this is another one of these Nazis were doing horrible experiments and zombies.
1: How dare they? Um, How dare they? There's
0: a whole bunch of these. In fact, there's a new one getting ready to come out theatrically called Overlord, directed by J.J. Abrams. Oh, okay. Which I keep just calling Castle Wolfenstein because it pretty much (laughs) looks like Castle Wolfenstein. They just didn't want
1: to pay the rights. (laughs)
0: No. I think that was it. He's like, I love this game. How much, th- how much does it cost? Nah, we'll no, sir. Do, we'll just do our own. There's a lot of these out there. But uh, in this one, uh, it's the final days of uh, actually uh, World War One. So it's those Germans, not the Nazi Germans. You know, whatever. Prussian jerks. <laughs> yeah, they, they, were, they were not the nicest people no, for a couple no. decades there. Um, but the British and... Uh, are moving in and taking back territory and they realize that they built a huge complex of underground tunnels in France and then abandoned all of a sudden. And they were but okay, why? they're like, oh, well, we better check it out. Cause there may be still weapons down there, like dangerous chemicals and things like that. So they sent a team, including a, um, a Canadian, the main character, who's a Canadian, who is a tunneler, which they call us the guys just, who's really good at doing this kind of thing, mapping mm-hmm. out tunnels and dealing with explosives and things like that. Along with a bunch of, like, snobby British officers and a group of American soldiers who do not like each other at all.
1: Sure don't.
0: (laughs) Uh, And they get in this thing and they discover that, yes, the Germans have created some sort of rage virus thing. And all those zombies that are rage virused out are still running around the place and are highly contagious.
1: Well, somebody's got to take care of them.
0: The only thing about this I really thought was building to be interesting is there's a point where the Canadian Tunneler and a German officer actually start to have a weird sort of, like, friendship. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, they start to understand, oh, wow, this is really bad. We we (laughs) definitely need to do something about this. We should not have done this. (laughs) This was a bad call. My bad. Sorry. (laughs) I promise during the next war we won't do anything this heinous.
1: (laughs) No zombies. My promise to you. Yeah, (laughs) at At the very least.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you could cut a half hour out of the middle of this thing and feel like you didn't miss anything. Yep. But when it was good, it was pretty good. It was well filmed. I thought all the actors oh yeah, the, were the good.
1: atmosphere was great. Yeah, it, the it, it was just filled with nothing. It was filled with a lot of people
0: doing not a whole hell of a lot. Unfortunately, um, I uh, it desperately needed a, a second pass on the script from someone brave enough to say cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. A lot of time spent with characters that there's no reason for us to care about because sure enough they die without fanfare. Yeah, know, and there's nothing equipment. to really
1: make them uh, likable. So you're not like, oh man.
0: <laughs> oh no, not that guy! It's like Black Hawk Down all over again. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, hey, a character died. I think it's hard to tell. They all have the black shit. <laughs> yeah. Was it like was it you, McGregor? Uh, uh, I, don't I don't care. Know. I didn't recognize any of them. Yeah, look, too much chatting. Uh, let's move on to our next one, which you did not see. There's a couple things here you didn't see oh. to talk about because uh, it's Fantastic fest, and I got to get these things uh, out of the way. And that is the 13th season of the show, Supernatural. Oh, no, you might have just... actually watched it. I don't remember if you watched Supernatural. Uh,
1: I, I got through like se- season seven and then I was like, I'm so tired. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> well, this is now one of the longest running hour long dramas on television. It's true. And uh, it's not for hurting at all for, for fan base. They still obsessively watch it and that's... That includes me. I've been watching every. No, season. No, I, I,
1: I hear for the next season, the big bad guy is going to be Medicaid.
0: Right. <laughs> nice. Um, it's. I. I think that the show is still. Like I'm not gonna say as good as it ever was, but it's definitely been on a pretty solid streak for like the last two, three seasons, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a soap opera now at this point in terms of care. Nobody is ever really dead. You no, know? like, <laughs> Nor like they nobody. Make. There's parallel. This season focuses a lot on a parallel apocalypse world, which is an excuse basically to bring back. You got a lot more dead characters. Like sure. Everybody's favorite Charlie, who is a uh, played by Felicia Day. Now there's the alternate universe version of her. Of course, Bobby Singer back because he's he's I think he's contractually obligated to just appear on like two episodes a season Wait, what about Papa? Pop. Oh, no, no. That's the one character. He's, he's,
1: he's like uh, a real actor now.
0: That's the so. character that, that, that tends to stay dead. Although they, I think they encountered his ghost once. And then there's been, there was a whole slew of episodes like last season where they were dealing with his younger self when he was first getting started. <laughs> so they didn't have to get the actor, but hell, the mom is back now. She's a regular character. They brought her back. Yeah. From the a friend dead.
1: showed me at work uh, today, actually. Mom's looking good. Yeah. Mary is uh,
0: running around here. She got the end of the last season. She got. Like, basically, Lucifer had a son, Jack. Uh, They were trying to keep him away from him because the kid becomes the Antichrist if Lucifer gets hold of him because he's more powerful than even any angels. And uh, Jack, when he's born, ripped a hole in space and everybody – a bunch of people got sucked into – this parallel apocalypse dimension, where basically the war between the demons and angels happened, like Revelations, uh-huh. and now angels who are dicks are running around killing pretty much everybody. That can get their hands?
1: Yeah, how out. dare they? Yeah,
0: uh, but she's so she's in that world. Most of the season focuses on a constantly trying to find Jack, who does something who's like grows up to an adult almost immediately and sure. wants does not want to be his father's son. But the problem is he's so powerful and so inexperienced, he keeps making dumb mistakes, and people get killed. And then he gets all broody and emo and runs so- off and they got a chick tracking Standard teenager. You well, know, Lucifer's back and he's looking for the kid, trying to find him as well. Uh, uh, and Castiel, who was like, they were like, oh, I can't believe he's really dead. Well, of course he's not really dead. He's, <laughs> the, he's back alive again as well. Uh, um Rowena is back as well. She's alive, and now she's kind of part of the Scooby gang, as it were. And speaking of the Scooby gang, this had one of my favorite episodes ever on the show, which they called Scooby Natural, where they get sucked into the oh yeah, I saw the
1: Internet's about that. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's super fun. It's well worth I mean, you can watch that one totally on its own without having any idea what else is going on on the show and, and get a lot of pleasure out of it. There's also a backdoor pilot for a show called The Wayward Sisters in here that, once again, did not get picked up by the network. So no, the sec- they were busy
1: picking up Charmed.
0: Yeah, right? The second time this has happened on Supernatural, they had a backdoor pilot for a show. What was the other one? Oh, uh, I forget what it was called, but it, it was like five years ago or so. so. And yeah, they didn't they didn't pick that one up either. Uh, but that's here. And it's actually not bad. I, th- I thought it was a pretty decent episode. Um uh, trying to see what else happens in this season. Um, oh yeah, the one thing I was going to say is the guys from the alternate earth come to our earth at one point and there's a great speech that, that Dean gives called real world 101 where, uh, or, where Bobby t- tunes in and goes, let me see, the ice caps are melting. There's a movie where the girl goes all the way with a fish and it wins best picture and that damn fool idiot from the apprentice is president. How is this not apocalypse world? Zing. Zing. <laughs> this has a lot of the usual extras you expect with these things, which they pack them, these sets with extras, because like I said, fan, this has a huge fan base, and they want all the bonus features they can get, and it has a lot of them, including like a 10-minute gag reel, oh, which is pretty okay. cool. Uh, a lot of deleted scenes, so if that's your thing, then you should definitely think about picking it up. Uh, another series that actually is not coming out on Blu-ray uh, until November, but it is available like shortly on digital. You can go ahead and get it called uh, Sharp Objects, which is based on a Gillian Flynn uh, debut novel of the same name. And uh, it was created by Marty Knoxon from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame and directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, who also did recently another show for HBO that was very well received. Uh, was it Big Little Liars or something like that? I can't remember what it was called. Anyway... Amy Adams plays Camille Preaker, who is a deeply emotionally troubled reporter Who is so emotionally troubled, her body is covered with like scars from where she cut into herself words of insulting herself. Wait, wasn't she also Lois Uh Yes. Huh? There you go. Why?
1: I'm just saying.
0: Emotionally troubled reporter? Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, in this case, her boss, uh, played by Miguel Sandoval, who is very close with her, says, you I need, this is a big story. There's this town and teenage girls are disappearing. One's already been found dead in a really horrible mutilated way. They have no idea who's doing this. And I'm sending you because it's your hometown. And she's like, yeah, um I don't want to. Do that. Yeah, fuck you guys. Like the reason she's so fucked up is basically because of her super fucked up mother played by Patricia Clarkson, who's like a Southern, old Southern belle and treats her daughter like shit like constantly talking down to her she's just a mean mean wicked witch of the west type lady like very very passive aggressive and part of their issues is because she used to have a sister who died and like there's a lot of sense of like each other holding each other somewhat culpable okay um, for the sickness and not taking proper care of her during that period so there's a lot of flashbacks to as we slowly start to figure out this story while as well she's identity like She's trying to figure out, you know, who the killer is while working with Chris Messina, who is a a, a big city police officer who is called in to assist, which none of the local police officers appreciate. But wow. so and a whole town that already thinks they know who did it, one of two people. And, you know, you're relatively sure it's neither one of them, but they're all gang mentality uh, on this town. You know, does, pitch, does, it, turn mob out of, mentality. does it turn out as Amy Adams? No, it does not. Okay. But, but um, it's. A really well directed and incredibly well acted show that I, I just have to thoroughly recommend. I love this thing. It's a bit of a slow burn, but wow. Like it, it's just so well made. And the last two episodes are like, will stay with you. Like I was creeped out for like three days after watching the finale of this. Like,
1: well, uh, that's, that's uh, the seal of approval. Indeed it is. Highly
0: recommend Sharp Objects. Give it a shot. And the last one you didn't see, sorry, one more, is American Horror Story Cult, which I'm going to say, and I know a lot of people who had dropped off the show, uh, you messed up. American Horror Horror Story Cult is the best season of the
1: show. Did they mess up or... Did American Horror Story not deserve to be followed, given those previous entries?
0: Well, there were only two two seasons that I genuinely did not like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Freak Show, which is just horrible almost all the way through. (laughs) And Cobbin, which starts really strong, but then devolves into just total and utter nonsense. Like, just not good. Everything else, every other season of the show, I've genuinely enjoyed to some degree or another. And I think post-Freak Show, Roanoke was really good. Uh, and now, uh, uh, Hotel was really good, which if you like Murder House and you never watched Murder House the first season, Hotel is the one that's the most like Murder House. Okay. Um, and, and now this new one, American Horror Story: Cult, which is the only season that's not supernatural at all. There's no supernatural stuff. It is in uh, in Michigan. Uh, Donald Trump wins at the beginning of it, and every a lot of it is about just the fallout from that, how that affected everyone. With Sarah Paulson, it's a local restaurant own, owner uh, who is in a long time relationship with another woman, and they have a kid together. And she – all these phobias that she has start coming back up because of her just basically being traumatized by Donald Trump winning, which I suspect was not uncommon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, there's a lot of other – obviously, American Horror Story, there's a ton of characters. I'm not going to talk about them all, but the other really important character here is – Evan Peters, who plays a number of characters in here, including Charles Manson, Jesus, Jim Jones, David Koresh, Marshall Applewhite and Andy Warhol. But his primary character is Kai Anderson, who is a local, very right wing Trump supporting kid who somehow um, starts a murder cult going of people who dress up as evil clowns and start killing people. But he's also sort of the whole point of the thing is to is to get himself in a position where he can become a politician
1: naturally get
0: elected, which I think they're saying that's what happened with Donald Trump. I think that's what they're saying. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I I thought this was exceptionally well done. Lots of, uh, you know, regulars from American horror story, make their appearances on there. Some new people like Alison pill joins the show. And this is, I mean, it's just solidly written and entertaining all the way through. I do highly recommend this season of checking it out. And like every season, except maybe the new one, apparently, um, it does in fact, stand alone. Like you, you, don't have to have watched
1: any previous. Oh, what's so what, what is I'm the saying? new
0: one? Oh, the ne- new one is Apocalypse, and apparently it combines characters and elements from Murder House and Coven together. Huh. All right. Yeah, like characters from both, which some of them are the same actor. Which yeah, which would is- like be playing both <laughs> that, both roles. So there you go. Uh, so I've seen the first episode so far. None of that is happening yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that was the last one. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Then we'll go back. Now we go back to stuff you have seen, and we start off with a movie called Goldstone, a Australian crime thriller that apparently is a sequel to a film I can't remember if I've actually seen or not, but I feel like I did, called Mystery Road, which was very well received when it came out, although a lot of people say Goldstone is is the better of the two
1: films. Um. I yeah. I, I haven't seen the other one, so I can't say. Yeah.
0: Um. It's the the same guy from the first movie, Jay, Detective J Swan, who is played by Aaron uh, Pedersen, and he Detective a, Beautiful Man. After yeah, after he leaves his uh, his hometown, uh, he goes to Goldstone looking for Goldstone, the, the small town, looking for a missing missing Asian tourist. Uh, meets up with a uh, local young cop, Josh who pulls him over because he is driving drunk super as super shit <laughs> he is so fucked up but they eventually like realize, okay, this guy actually is like a real cop himself, and he's, it's he's, like, well, he's, shit, I
1: guess I've gotta let him go.
0: He's the, yeah, he's the big city cop who's who's being brought in to look in this. Nobody wants this guy to look into it, and it looks like the reason is because this town imports Asian women to take to be prostitutes.
1: Yeah, because because it's it's not so much a town as it is a collection of prefab buildings uh, yeah. around like a, a mining operation. Yeah, exactly,
0: and, and you know the. Government such as it is, is basically that guy, <laughs> that cop, <laughs> yeah. and the local mayor, who is probably the person, the most recognizable in here, Jackie Weaver, uh, who is – you know she's like, oh, small town mom. Seems very nice, but you're really
1: certain right off the bat she's dirty as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because she's always baking for you, and that's yeah. how you know she's Bad playing scene. you. Bad sign. If you've got apple
0: pie. Somebody just killed somebody.
1: Yeah, what is this, crumble? Oh, shit, what do I have to do?
0: (laughs) I actually genuinely enjoyed this film. I think really strong performances. It gets really noir, black, dark at points. I do think it's one of those movies that, would have been better to see in the theater because it's easy to get distracted with its slow pace.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely slow, but I think like the expanse of the bush is is definitely a character in the movie, mm-hmm. like just those wide scenes of nothingness and and bleakness, and that that is basically these people's lives, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, and there's a certain sense of like, oh god, like NUI. I guess that pervades this thing with these characters who are like, don't want to be here. Don't, yeah, really have, don't really have a life. I mean, even the, the, the small town cop is like, goes and sees hookers regularly. Cause there's literally nothing no, else to do.
1: There's no one to do. <laughs> there's no one to do. There, there's yeah. a, there's a traveling prostitute. Yeah, yeah, they're, that's they're, about it. Who's, who's in a van? No, like the the, the one in the van, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's like, like there's so many small towns in Australia that a traveling prostitute with her own like decked out van can make a living just hitting towns yep. seasonally. <laughs> I I did think this is good. I think it's far from essential, uh, but. Um, I see why it was as popular as it was with a certain, like, the art house
1: crowd. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's very well made. And I'll be honest, I would watch another movie with this character. I may go back and watch Mystery Road. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I found it reasonably solid, as it were. I'm trying to see here. I can't remember. I was trying to remember off the top of my head if this came with bonus features. And now I actually have to click the link and look. Yes, it does. A bunch of brief supplements that largely take a look at... Um, the different characters they talk to the writer director editor composer and uh director of photography uh and they and there's a a small piece about the the uh indigenous people of australia which Uh which uh figure largely in the plot and what's going on yes uh, on the bones of this movie actually there's a really cool scene in here where he's the main detective gets sent out with like a indigenous man and it's kind of like this hallucinatory like like I don't know, Dream Vision Quest or something.
1: Yeah, uh, a Uh, power-up. A (laughs) power-up? Yeah, yeah, because... Like uh, a video game? Well, because, like, uh, I I don't know, spoilies. Like, it turns out his dad is from that tribe. Right. And so it's kind of like, nope, now you got, like, uh, you know, an injection of heritage.
0: It's weird that... And this is a thing, I guess, in Australia, but, like, they refer to the cop as black right off the bat. And you're like... Do you need to get your glasses checked? But he, it, oh, like the story explains, yeah, he is actually like I guess. Can we say mulatto? Is that a word that we're allowed to say? I don't
1: think so. Is it, I
0: thought that was an accepted. I'm not term. sure. I'm not it's, sure what the. Yeah, the it's term it's is. tough to keep track. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to be dismissive. I'm just unaware of what the accepted nomenclature is. But uh, I was like, how is he black? what are you guys seeing that I'm not? I was like, oh, well, they're just really good at seeing heritage.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. He just looked like everyone else in the town. Yeah. Super sunburnt.
1: Yeah. Sunburnt and wasted.
0: Uh, yeah. Sunburnt and drunk. <laughs> Everybody except for the other, uh, the small town sheriff who is like, Mr. Mis- Seriously, really pale skinned.
1: Yes, I was yes. Like, how he applies daily? <laughs>
0: I guess he must. But yeah, Goldstone is pretty, is reasonably solid. And then we have going to Arrow, uh, who tend to do just a great job fixing up whatever they uh, release, doing a great. Remastering and adding lots of bonus features. This is no exception with their re-release of the classic 1973 British-French political thriller film uh, based on the novel Day of the Jackal by Frederick Forsyth. I remember my dad loved this book. I never got around to reading it, and I never got around to seeing the movie until...
1: Until now.
0: now. Which is... It starts on something that actually happened, which was a, a failed assassination attempt on Charles de Gaulle, uh, who was the French president in the summer of 1963. He was busy
1: becoming an airport.
0: <laughs> yes, he was. It's a it's a long transfer from man to airport. But apparently there was a militant French underground organization called the OAS who was angry that the French government was returning or giving independence to Algeria because there had been a lot of fighting. A lot of soldiers died there. It was a big issue at this time. And said OAS still wants to go all dead. So they hire the most notorious assassin in the entire world, the Jackal, who was, in fact, a real guy. Uh, There's been multiple movies that have featured the Jackal, including a really – Kilmer. A a really – no, I think he was The Saint. Oh crap! Yeah. Who is the jackal? Bruce Willis. Oh gross! Yeah, you ever see a terrible <laughs> remake of this, just called The Jackal?
1: Yes, I, I, I on a plane probably. <laughs> it's not
0: good, but this is one of those films that's kind of like the classy thriller, like. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, or something like that. That for a lot of people is going to be a bit of a slog. But, but it's
1: but it's it's one of those uh, it's oozing cool.
0: Oh yeah, and a lot of that has to do with the main character, who is actually the Jackal himself, yeah. played by Edward Fox, who is just perfect for this part.
1: Oh oh, just nails it.
0: He's like an evil James Bond,
1: right? Yeah, because he so effortlessly looks cool and is deadly at the same time. Yeah. We, it, picks up the ladies
0: oh yeah i mean we follow him through the long path to being able to set up you know one of the hardest things you can do which is assassinate the president of a big successful country yeah you know obviously a lot of protection and they know that people are being sent after him already at this point so he's like yeah even the poas has no idea what he's doing They're like, <laughs> no you don't get to know so, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is why you're
1: paying me yeah uh,
0: and we watch him through these travails we watch like some cops who are trying to who know there's an assassin out there and another attempt's going to be made and they're picking up what shreds of information they can. And the Jackal dodging around the traps they lay for him. And, like,
1: ah.
0: and it's funny. Cause you actually start to kind of root for him, but then he'll do like something totally. Yeah. Then you remember, Oh shit. wait, no, he's garbage. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a total villain. Like he sleeps with this hot chick, uh, at a hotel. He's staying. Who's like totally charmed by him, even though she's rich and married. And he goes to escape to her house to like, uh, at one point to lay low, uh, and finds out that basically she's discovered who he is from the TV. So he just, without
1: even an expression, kills her. Hey, hey, man, it's 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 all about him.
0: Yeah, it really is. And this movie is kind of all about him, once again. Yes. Yeah. It's such a solid performance and so engaging that despite, like I said, some pretty slow points to this film, you stay with it. The, the downside, of course, is we all know that Charles de Gaulle was not, in fact, assassinated. That's true. It's so, kind of like
1: Titanic. We know the ending.
0: We're kind of sure how this one's going to play out. But I, I think they ended up uh d- director Fred Zimmerman Zinneman, sorry not Zimmerman that's a different guy who uh won four academy awards for direction over the the, well, the course of his life shit shingle. um did a really good job here he also did like high noon from here to eternity oklahoma julia he's he's his films have received 65 oscar nominations and 124 so
1: some stuff you may have heard of
0: some stuff you may in fact have heard of Yeah, I think overall I did really enjoy it. I was certainly glad I finally got to see it. It's been one of those movies always like, why haven't I seen this yet? Yep. I always hear so much about it. Um, There's some extra features. Uh, Six Minute in the Marksman's Eye, which is uh, author uh, Neil Sinyard, Sinyard, that's a cool name, uh, who's written a lot of books about famous directors, offers a look at this film, very detailed, heartfelt appreciation for this. Uh, There's a two-and-a-half-minute location report, uh, which takes a look at the front of Mont Parnasse Station in Paris, where the climax of the film takes place. Uh, There's an interview for three minutes with Fred Zinneman, uh, and then the uh, entire original screenplay, which apparently deviated in quite a few places from the ending film, which is very interesting for people who consider themselves scholars of this movie, which this movie was big enough that it does have people who would be considered scholars of the film. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what did you you ultimately enjoyed this?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, you like this classy,
1: like yeah. Well, the, the the moment I you know hear the music, see see the the like uh, you know the the cinematography, I'm just like, okay, this is this is gonna be a, a, is, a jazzy cool ride. This is
0: a Joe film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all it's missing is like. No, it isn't missing. There is a scene in a French nightclub where everyone's wearing sort of like polka dot shit and grooving out. See, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our last film this week, and I think, as we said, both of our pick of the week, is that previously mentioned Jennifer Tilly film called Bound. Now, if you've never heard of this film, you clearly were not paying close enough attention because this was the first movie by, well, now the Wachowski sisters, but the Wachowski Mm -hmm. brothers at this point. This is the movie, and they went from this to The Matrix, which is like... Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh,
1: if, if you haven't heard of it, then your parents were not outraged.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is one of those movies that I watched, you know, after seeing the Matrix. No, I did see this before The Matrix. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I did actually watch this before The Matrix and really enjoyed it. It was one of those movies trying to tell everyone, oh, you got to see this. This is a great little neo noir, yeah. twisty thriller. Uh, Jennifer Tilley plays a sort of gangster mall. Uh, But modern day, who is living with her her mafia boyfriend, Caesar, played by Joey Pants. Joey Pants with the hairs. (laughs) Joe Joe Pantaleato, who, of course, went on to play a big role in The Matrix. Um, But she clearly is looking around because when uh, the apartment next door, which is being completely rebuilt and remodeled, by a very tough and sexy Gina Gershon, super
1: sexy Gina Gershon. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: They make start making goo goo eyes at each other pretty quick.
1: Well, that, that's the that's the beauty of it is the the dance was not very long.
0: <laughs> no, it was not. Um, and they start having a lesbian affair with each other. And then,
1: you're supposed to whisper lesbian. Let's uh, act like uh, we're, It's back in uh, the nineties. Yeah,
0: Jennifer Tilly tells her, hey, here's the thing. This guy is a murdering piece of shit. I'm not feeling safe anymore, and I want to get out of here, but I also want to do it in style. There's going to be a shit ton of money at the apartment for a little while, and I've got a plan where I think... I've got an idea that if we could figure out a way to steal it, we can run off together. And Gina Gershon is like, fine, but here's the plan. And it's kind of one of those watching this play out and being... on the edge of your seat as everything almost goes wrong.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so that's the beauty of it, uh, is that... you really do wonder, like, oh, are they going to fuck each other over? Not fuck each other. Well, they do you, that. You, they do that. You yeah. get to see that. A couple but, times. But like, oh, shit. Like, double cross? Nope. Oh, okay. oh, Yeah. And then, like, move on to the next thing.
0: Right. You're constantly suspecting that perhaps one of them has other plans, that maybe one of them is not doing everything that they said they, that they're not representing themselves as accurately as you would hope. Uh, also, it's funny. Christopher Maloney in an early role for him <laughs> yes. plays just a lunatic mafia guy who's this, like, I think he's the nephew of, like, the, the head Don.
1: He's, yeah, he's the son of the, like, the Don's brother.
0: Right. And he is, like, he's. Oh, just, that's
1: exactly what you said. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: He's a, he's a raving psychopath, basically. And even Joey Pants is like, I don't like this guy. He's, this is not how you do business. Yeah, you got to sell down, fella. But of course, like, all of that ends up applying very uh, neatly into the actual end of. Game and mm-hmm. plot that the two girls come up with. This is fun. It's fast moving. It's sexy as fuck. Uh, both these girls just in their prime and hot as hell. With yep. some really uh, just fan- fantastically sexy uh, love scenes, and you're just you really want them to get away with this.
1: Oh, and quite, that's that's it. Like, quite frankly. Loved the ending. Maybe cheesy for some people. Still yeah. loved it, though.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. This is a film I come back and revisit once every couple years. I had a copy on DVD, and now I've replaced it with this brand new there you go. Signature Edition Blu-ray, which I'm more than happy to uh, actually have a copy of now. Uh, and there is uh, some extra features on here. There's a vintage audio commentary with Wachowskis, Jennifer Tilly, uh, Gina Gershon, and Joe Pantoliano, editor Zach Strainberg and consultant Susie Bright, who is a very famous sex expert who's written a ton of books okay. uh, and she actually has a small cameo appearance in the film. Uh, a lot of people think it's one of the better commentaries out there for films. Super informative, funny, all sorts of stuff. Uh, there is a new video interview with the titles designer, Patty Podesta, who talks about working with the Wachowskis for eight minutes, part and parcel. There's The Difference Between You and Me, which is a new, brand new video program where Professor B. Ruby Rich and Professor Jennifer Mormon discuss the evolution of film noir and the emergence of neo-noir, uh, as well as looking at how all that was expressed in Bound, and how that was a very important film in Subgenre. There's here's Johnny, which is a video interview with Christopher Maloney for about ten minutes. Uh, there's Femme Fatales video with Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly talking about first reading the script and being a little like I don't know, <laughs> uh, and um, and then talking about just the making of the film and their characters and uh, the cult status because this is a newer one talking about how this has really truly become a cult
1: film. Uh, and, yeah, and, and worth it.
0: Great movie that still a lot of people don't know exists. There's Modern Noir, The Sights and Sounds of Bound, which is an interview with the director of photography, Bill Pope, editor Zach Strainberg, and composer Don Davis for 30 minutes. There is an essay uh, booklet in here called We Know How This Ends about the movie, and a eight-page illustrated booklet featuring another essay. Anyway, yeah, this is really solid. Everyone should see this film if you haven't already, or if you have, you should maybe go back well, and watch it. Give it another it. watch. It's, it's super, super good. I loves it. (laughs) Uh, And that's it for Digital
1: Noise. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, we did it.
0: Thank you so much, Joe, for joining me again. Thank me.
1: (laughs) And Okay. Thank you. Okay, (laughs) Uh, that's enough. That's enough.
0: And we will be back in another few weeks, because obviously I'm going to be really busy both doing Fantastic Fest and tying up shit after Fantastic Fest. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back in another few weeks with a lot more movies, including some pretty big re-releases of films that... You'll know of, but you you may be like me. You saw them so long ago, you don't really remember them, and you remember kind of liking
1: them. So we're talking about Tom Hanks' big,
0: not liking them. No, I love Tom Hanks. Okay, yeah, I rewatch that. Um, <laughs> that's that's a comfort food movie right there. That's I don't need Forrest Gump. I just watch big. <laughs> <laughs>